what if everything you thought and believed about successful buying, selling, and financing your home was wrong? Welcome to HomeWise with Michael Midget. This is where you can count on straightforward, objective advice on the right way to make the most out of every dollar you put into your home. Whether it's buying, selling, or financing, even maintaining and growing its value along the way. Coming to you from the News Talk STL studios at Union Station in St. Louis. It's a wonderful day because we get to talk about things that really matter. HomeWise Radio with Michael Midget. My name is Paul Cook. How are you doing, Mike? I'm good, Paul. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Uh, we're going to talk about some really important stuff today, an important topic, and I think you have unique insight on this today, which I find pretty exciting. Why don't you break it down or tell us about it uh, better than I can? I do, and, you know, it's, um, you know, sometimes we explore my pet peeves on this show, so... Today is one of those days, and it stems a lot from, you know, we hear uh, a lot about the market, how bad it is. You know, it's a tough market. You know, so if I'm talking with industry folks, it's a tough market. If we're talking about buyers, it's a tough market. If we're talking about sellers, it's a tough market. You know, and, you know, the news is searching out the, the, you know, the bad parts of it because it's more newsworthy, it's more interesting, it sells more subscriptions, papers, whatever it is they're trying to sell. And, um, but... For the rest of us that have to either work there or live in the real in the yes. real world, it causes you know it causes issues, it causes problems. Okay, and I was thinking about this this week, and I said, you know, because it, you know, it's something that that we you know you know that we go through. Um, times like this call for leadership. Mm. All right. I know that's sort of a, it's a big word. It could mean, it could mean a lot of things, but it reminds me of this market is one of those that reminds me of a quote that I heard once. And it goes a little something like when you're going through hell, just keep going, Mm. right? Don't stop. Don't dwell. Just plow right on through as fast as you can to get to the other side. Yeah. Don't don't seize up. Because what's the alternative, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's the market. It's it. You know, it's all around us. It is what it is. We cannot. We cannot change it. It is bigger. It's bigger than we are. I think the Fed has proven that. Mm. Even they cannot completely control it like they're trying to. Although they're really trying. <laughs> they're putting in the effort there. Yeah. At least a lot yeah. of action. Yep. <laughs> um, but times like this call for leadership. All right, and um, it's important um, at the top at the industry level, all right? And it's also important at the transaction level, right? So, and then I have sandwiched in there, there's a strategy level that I needed something, you know, I I needed some way to, you know, point out there's something that I do that I think is sorely missing most most of the time. Um, But it's important. It is important. And it's easy for clients to get caught up in the news. All right. Um, it's our responsibility as leaders, right? So take that leadership role to set that narrative straight. All right. Um, with a long-term outlook an affordably purchased family home is still a fine investment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Besides, as we've said before, you have to live somewhere. Okay. So you're either going to rent or you're going to buy it's the roof over your head it is a financial investment, but it's also, it has utility, all right? 
And so when you mix all that up, you come up with what I said. Mm -hmm. There's some musts there, aren't there, Mike? Like uh, there's some musts. You're going to live. You got to live somewhere. Right. Right. You got to make this payment somehow to do that. And you want to do it right. But the news can freak you out. It is. And, you know, I read a lot, study a lot, I research a lot. That's a part of leadership. Um, and part of that this, this past week, this is really what kind of spurred this thought. Was I was watching a YouTube video, and it was a financial advisor, and he was talking about buy versus uh, rent mm. and his formula for how you do that. Or actually, it was referred to as the formula. He was explaining it to us. The okay. formula. And he got it wrong. <laughs> Like, I couldn't believe it. He got it wrong. I just, hmm. This is a video, million views on it. All right? He got it wrong. Well, okay. He got it mostly right. Mm -hmm. Okay? But he got a little piece wrong. So if you remember last week when we were talking about the difference between um, the way a home appreciates, and it's the home value that goes up, not the home equity that goes up per se, even though home equity goes up as the values go up. But it's the val it's the home itself that's the asset mm -hmm. that will that will rise and fall in value. The equity is a is a uh, is a calculation that goes along with that. And he was he missed the distinction between those between the distinction, those distinction, man. And so his calculation was off. And I think that if you were going to follow that and you were really going to take notes and you were going to apply it. I think you might end up at the wrong conclusion. Like a million it makes views. more sense to rent. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he got it wrong. I couldn't believe it. So for me, leadership, it comes down to two things. All right. One is mastery. Okay. Mastery over it is whatever, whatever it is we're doing, whatever it is we're leading, like our profession mm -hmm. in this case. Like so okay, so for me, it's mortgages. Okay. I just feel like I should be a master at what I do. Knowing it all, knowing how to work it. If I was my client, that's what I would expect, right? Absolutely. So clients are not in the best position to determine whether or not I have mastery over what I'm doing, okay? Most, it may not ever even occur to them that there's a difference between good and better, yeah. Or better and better, better or best. Right? Oh, it's a huge difference. Sometimes it's just presented to them. Oh, you know, you need a loan. Go find a loan. Here, talk to this guy. He'll get you pre-approved. You know, you call the guy up. Oh, what What can you get me? Well, here's here's what we can do. Here's what the guideline says. Here's I got this, a guy. That. It's, yeah. Yeah. You know, I got a guy. Um, which, by the way, it's good to have a guy. You just want to make sure you have the right guy. It makes sure they have mastery. They're an expert. Right. And that... So there is nothing that forces you to be a master. Like, you know, we have to be licensed, mm -hmm. but it doesn't force us to be a master or to have mastery. It just requires us to have proficiency, mm. right? We now fill out some forms. We know the documents to, uh, to ask for. Um, they do background checks, things like that, to make sure we're not criminals and like sort of like a minimum just – you know, like what you would expect for a, for a profession's like, you know, licensure. Mm -hmm. um, not to discount any of that, but there's, you know, about half a million of us 
out there, licensed loan originators in the country. Maybe less by now because some aren't renewing their licenses, um, but I am. So yeah, um, and so I'm you not can't going, do I'm that. I'm not going anywhere. If you if you don't renew your license, you cannot offer that lending advice. I mean, advice, oh, right, but yeah, you can't do yeah. it. And that would be yeah. a decision to exit the industry. Yes, and they're exiting in droves because it's tough market out there right now. Remember, mm-hmm. so we are susceptible to it also. Mm-hmm. So leadership, mastery over what it is you do. It's kind of like the foundation of this whole show was a conduit to demonstrate mastery over how to structure a loan transaction to minimize the cost to a borrower over the ownership period of that home. Mm-hmm. You know, how much to put down? How should I, what, what program should I do? How do we put that together? You know, there's the ordinary way and then there can be tweaks to make it better small tweaks up front compound over time to make big changes on the back end we've we've discussed that massive before. really massive yeah. uh, things i didn't know that's then that you're right that's right. a huge part that of the show that is that's what i'm talking about when 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 i refer to mastery okay but there's also um, another component of leadership and it's what i call ownership or responsibility over the outcome in this case of the transaction, mm-hmm. right? So within our profession, within having that mastery or whatever, we're going to do business with people, right? I'm going to get brought in to work on a loan, to do mm-hmm. a loan, provide financing, to get this family into their new home. I just, I just view it as if I'm going to be a leader, if I'm going to be the best at what I do, and I want to stand up in front of people and tell people that, I need to have ownership of the outcome of what I do. Another right? huge distinction, Michael Midget, listening to HomeWise Radio, homewiseradio.com. Some people say, okay, I got the business, I'm going to manage it, you know, but they aren't in charge of the outcome. That's huge, man. Right. It's accepting the responsibility for the ownership of the outcome. Yeah, so, they don't have that as a responsibility for themselves and to offer right. that with their client. Right. It, well, it's something that comes from inside its mindset. Mm-hmm. And how you, what you view your role as, how you want to, how you want others to perceive you, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, it's not just being a cog in the wheel yeah. or a plug in the system, you know, okay, I got brought in, okay, well, here's, here's the tactical or the, um, you know, the, uh, here's how we're going to do the loan, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just a very tactical, practical, pragmatic just kind of straightforward. Almost anybody can do that. Check in the box kind of thing. Check in the box, mm. right? But what if there's more than one box to check? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's only one box on the list. There's one way to do this. Well, what if there wasn't just one way to do this, right? And I know in the textbook it says that, you know, that first you start with this and then you start with this and then you start with this. But what if we considered something else in front of all of that and based on that consideration, it changed what the boxes said. Yeah. So now you'd be checking a different box, right? An incredible amount of equity. So too. when I, right. And so when I, right. So the result of that to the buyer, the owner, the borrower, whatever it is, whoever it is that we're talking about, winds up being additional equity, being minimized costs and things like that. But you don't just, you don't just hope and wind up there, okay? Yeah. You have it's to, not automatic. 
Well, it's not, it's certainly not automatic. Um, if it was, we wouldn't have to, I mean, everybody would just get it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that's why when I said, when I first started out, I sandwiched a, a, a second out of, out of the three options in there. Um, there's a strategy level to leadership. It's, that's what I'm referring hmm. to when we're talking about, okay, we're going to take a different road, you know, like we're going to take the high road or the low road, the easy road, not the not so easy road. Let's look at this a few different ways just to make sure that we're making the right decisions. To me, that's leadership. That's ownership over that transaction. It's a reason why someone would come to to me or somebody mm-hmm. like me, somebody that is looking at a transaction that way. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, and they want to be taken care of, right? They want to feel like they got, you know, they, in their mind, it just kind of washes out to, hey, I got the best deal I could. Am I getting a good just deal? Just a dollar right? figure rather than you doing your due diligence and them having peace of mind that you've done it, which is how you operate. Right. That peace of mind comes from their exchange with me. It comes from their exchange with the real estate agent. It comes from their exchange with whoever the professional is involved in whatever area it is that they're uh, wondering or thinking about, is this being done right? Am I getting the best deal? Am I, is this the right way? Is this the right way to go? Mm-hmm. They just don't always know. They can't always enunciate it that way because they don't, it's just a feeling. It's just a feeling inside, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like when you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a diagnosis, let's say it's not the best diagnosis. And you wonder like, you know, now there, they're like, Hey, you know what? We should get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, they do that in some cases for legal reasons and things like that. But let's just set all the legalities aside. And we're just talking about taking care of the person, mm-hmm. right? They want to feel confident in the decision that is they're either making or there is being made for them or they're taking part in. Mm-hmm. The, getting the best possible care. Right. They're not, yeah, they're not in the position to, they don't feel like they're in a position to make that, to make that final decision, right? And so we're trying to take care of the person. That means taking care of their feelings. That means instilling in them that confidence that we have, we are doing this the right way, the best way to achieve your goals or whatever. And I don't know, maybe I'm making like a bigger deal out of the loan part of it than would or would know would ordinarily happen. But you know, I mean, that's, that's the box I live in. Yeah. I beat it up pretty well. Well, I and think it, that's your, uh, plight, you know, that is, and, and you know, so many things about these boxes. I just see a page. You said, a, we talked about a box to check. I see a page with lots of boxes on it that you have shown me over the course of these 10 episodes, uh, of the Michael Midget HomeWise radio show. And today we're talking about leadership, which, gosh, you think of it as a, a general thing when you're thinking about your mortgage and uh, your lender. But, gosh, it's so important. Mastery, ownership, which is a responsibility over the outcome. And I just think, wow, that is so dead on. You need to know that for your peace of mind. Yeah. And um, something unique to what I do. So I'm a mortgage broker. Okay. That's a subset of, you know, within the category of mortgage lender or mortgage originator, but I'm a mortgage broker. It means that I have a legal fiduciary duty to my clients. 
Mm. Okay. Mm. Oh, I know that's a legal term. It's a big word. Well, me, go ahead. Would you explain some, that just, word for just, us? <laughs> you know, fiduciary. We're not, not going to dive real deep, but just it yes. means acting in my client's best interests, putting their interests ahead of my own. Okay. Man. Uh, mortgage brokers have it. Mortgage lenders do not. Okay. okay. That doesn't mean that lenders don't act in people's best interests, but it just means that as a mortgage broker and other agency relationships involved in transactions, such as the real estate agent generally has a fiduciary duty to their client, something that doesn't come up very often, but it's putting your client's interests ahead of your own. Now, legally that would occur at the transaction level. And we're, and we're going to dive into that uh, later on in our second segment with our guest expert today. So that's coming up here soon. Yes. But just to finish this thought, for me to go back to leadership, right? And we talked about mastery and we talked about having a strategy and we've talked about all of these different things. When you wrap it up, for me, if I am going to truly, at the end of the day, when I'm done working with somebody, say that I fulfilled my fiduciary duty, I have a higher duty of myself than what the law would would mm. you know would say a standard see the law would be like you know well did you check the box yeah right not we, not necessarily like well it may not have been the best box to check but it's the only box i had to check well, <laughs> yes for me i want to make sure i've got enough boxes to check to make sure that i'm producing the best outcome that i can even when it would be easier to go another road Yes. Now that would be putting my interests ahead of the clients. More clients, right? more, well, you know, easier, run you know, them through. I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like uh, doing it that way. It was going to be a whole lot more work. And, you know, I just didn't think I was going to get paid for it. Mm, mm. See, we get, you know, we get paid the same. No hmm. matter whether we just inch it over the line or whether we hit it out of the park. Singles and home runs in my business count for the same thing. Wow. Alone, that's, and that's, th that's how we get paid. Man. But fiduciary duty would actually require that we do put all of those other interests ahead of our own, uh, likely even getting paid or, <laughs> paid or not. Yeah. Um, That's but, part of your business. Right, just for me, though, is, you know, I take that mastery seriously. And so I kind of, when I think of this, I lump all that, all of that in there. Yeah. And it's oftentimes when I'm involved in these transactions that I see that sorely lacking. All mm -hmm. right. So I wanted to sum up today, it's episode 10, it's the finale of season one. We're coming back for a season two, um, but I wanted to bookend the first 10 episodes with this big idea because I think it sums up better than any other way that I, that I could. I don't think I could say it a better way. Yeah, than, I think it's know, brilliant. You know, than that. So helping me unpack this at the transaction level as the, like the real estate transaction as a whole, what we're going to talk about in segment two. That's uh, another element of this. And we had a stimulating conversation off the air about fiduciary responsibility. And our guest is going to bring that to the airwaves next. And I, I really appreciate it. And by the way, congratulations on a second season, Michael. Thank you. It's going to be a lot of fun and I can't wait to be part of it. We'll be right back. HomeWise Radio with Michael Midget. Check out homewiseradio.com and you can learn more. You can also listen back to the other previous nine episodes or even more in this segment, which I think is absolutely crucial. We'll be right back.
Hello, hello. It's HomeWise Radio with Michael Midget, and I'm Paul Cook. So many cool things still to come in this episode 10. Wow. Uh, News Talk STL, a big part of uh, how we deliver the show to you, but also at HomeWiseRadio.com. And the creator of the show is Michael Midget, and I always think it's good to get to know him a little bit better. Product of Hazelwood East. You won't say it, but I'm going to say it. The valedictorian of your that class. Where I, that is where I went to high school. <laughs> that is where I will confirm a, that part. It is, it is a fact. It is a fact. <laughs> well, I don't know if the listeners know about your family. Uh, are you married? Yep. And you've got some little ones running around? Yep. Two kids, uh, 12 and 7. Man, you got a lot going on. Yep. And with the holidays coming up, you'll be even busier. Same with your wife. Yep. I bet with a lot going on there. Okay, good. It's good to get to know you a little bit. Now, you know, you've been talking about leadership, which, gosh, go back and listen. Uh, I think your take on that is very important, and it always gets me thinking in my head kind of uh, uh, including so much more in what a term like leadership means. But the other element of that is our guest here today. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, we've been talking about leadership, what it means to the uh, to the just the real estate industry and ultimately the transaction as a whole. And as you know, we search out the, uh, the best guests, the best experts mm-hmm. that we can to help us peel these things apart. So today I want to introduce Josh Voiles. He's the owner of Voiles Realty and he's in studio to help us peel this apart. Hey Mike, how you doing? Thanks Josh. Um, we've been talking about leadership We've been talking about what that means. So to me, I mean, it just means it means doing, um, you know, taking an ownership or a leader of just in the things that you do. All right. So we we discussed uh, being um, in, like at at the top of the industry, being being a leader. We discussed uh, being a. Uh, having mastery over the transaction, things at the transaction level. We even discussed a little bit about fiduciary duty. So why don't you, we're going to weigh in, we're going to weigh in on all that, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first and uh, we'll start that way. Sure. Just a little bit about my business or if you were writing a memoir, Josh, we need to know your personal, intimate thoughts. We need to know every single thing. No, it, you got it right. Exactly what Michael was the saying. Dark secrets too. Yes, exactly. Okay. We will. We promise not to share them with anyone. Oh, that's going to take a little while. There. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> well, a little bit about me. I I grew up from a family who were builders and contractors in St. Louis. So, grandfather, uncle, father were builders. I followed that trade, and then I jumped into the real estate sector at some point, and. Uh, been working on building a small team. I got a great group around me that I've <clears throat> worked hard to teach them how to do things the right way. And <clears throat> excuse me. Um, as far as uh, like some of the leadership stuff, you know, I, I did spend some time in local politics. Um, I sat on the board of aldermen in the city of Fenton for two years. Uh, I was appointed to be the president of the board after the first year, and then I ran for mayor after that first term, and I, I won the mayor. Uh, race which you were the mayor of fenton i was okay that that, that that's super cool that qualifies as leadership doesn't it Mm. i think (laughs) absolutely it was a lot of work it was a great learning experience there's a lot of uh, a lot of tough things to figure out and learn along the way and certainly a lot more than than it would appear from from the outside looking in 
Mm-hmm. When you yeah, win I that election, all of a, you know it's like, yeah, hey, you'll you'll get it. You're a yeah, great, great personality. You say yes or no, it's no yes. big deal. And then you feel the the weight of all those decisions. Check they, the they box, amplify. right? Mm-hmm. So, and like you're saying earlier, the the importance of fiduciary or just doing what's right for everyone. At least for me, it's an important thing. Right. So I took it very seriously, and there's a lot of things to do that I didn't always want to do, and it didn't make sense, especially when you don't get paid a whole lot. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and that was always one of my things with uh, with public office was it's such, like, you're under the microscope. Well, first, you got to, like, fight tooth and nail to actually get elected. So, like, just mm. my hat's off. Don't have one on. But if I did, I would take it off to you for getting elected. That was tough. I'm not I mean, sure I could do it. <laughs> I'm not sure I could do it. We campaigned very tough. I knocked on every door in the city multiple times. Right. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time campaigning. Yep. Wow. That's see, really cool. See, and that's more of, so you're Out doing that, and you're not really, you're not getting paid a commensurate amount, which, you know, I for some reason, like in our society, we equate, like, every time you do something, like, you got to get paid to do it. Otherwise, people wonder why you're, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, what's like, your it's motive? Just, it's a shame not, that that's, yeah. it's the, it's, has come down to that. But it just, to me, it just says, you know, when I heard that, I was like, you know, I got to get him on because I want, mm-hmm. that's like, it's probably like just nerdy me. That's like the interesting, <laughs> the most interesting thing to me um, is just like, you know, it says something about the person. So, and well, that's, I know you would never, from the time we've spent talking, those are things you would never say about yourself, but I can say that here because it's my show. <laughs> so, yes. Um, the, the other thing I, I was also going to, so not only, because uh, I'm looking at the sheet here, um, you also hold leadership positions in a couple of associations. I do. <clears throat> With um, the St. Louis Association, uh, we'll be sitting on the board of directors next year, um, chairing a committee, and I'm sitting on several other ones, uh, as well as the Missouri board of directors, I'll be sitting on that for the next couple of years, too. Mm, okay. So two Missouri boards. Well, one one board, one Missouri board, and then the St. Louis area board. They're big boards, so it's no small feat. Mara Fenton, like, do you do, can we, you know, twenty year real estate agent, construction background. Sure, I don't know. This just screams expert to me. Oh. I also <laughs> I quit my job in two thousand eight during the recession to start my own remodeling company. So. Okay, right. Um, like you weren't busy enough. No, I just like to challenge life and status quo sometimes. Uh-huh. Right. So if I were involved with a transaction, <laughs> with you in a transaction, and it came down to things like appraisals, inspections, stuff like that, I'm probably, you're going to have a handle on that, it sounds like. Sure. Okay. Um, so why don't we, let's, so, you, you know, I wanted to ask those questions because, I mean, me personally, I have not sat on the board of an association. I have not held a public office, have not done those things. I just, my, my version of leadership, it's really kind of more of a, uh, call it thought leadership, mm-hmm. right? So I'm gravitating to that mastery. Like I'm the go-to guy for how to do, and then fill in the blank with, you know, you know, with whatever it is. Um, but this is another angle of that, but I wanted to bring this back to and tie down to, uh, the leadership in the real estate transaction, just somebody like taking charge of that. Like, does that resonate with you or? Sure. Like you were saying in the first segment, um, taking ownership of the transaction. And also, I guess that ties in with your fiduciary, but 
basically making sure that we're doing what's right for everyone. At the end of the day, no matter what side of the coin I'm on, whether it's the buyer or the seller, at the end, everyone, you know, the buyer wants the home, the seller wants to sell it. And I think it's our duty to make sure we do what's in the best interest of everyone. And sometimes if the ball's dropped on one side, I feel like it's still our job to pick it up if we need to. Yeah. And that's mm. exactly, that's, um, I'm, I'm that same way. And sometimes I can tell it doesn't happen a lot. Okay. But sometimes you get involved in a transaction and nobody just, nobody's like, it's like the hot potato. Like mm. nobody wants to hold the, hold hanging it, out right? there kind of thing. But guess what? You know what? The thing's not going to close. It's not going to happen unless somebody takes charge. Exactly. And it's not and, gonna happen in the in your client's best interest if somebody doesn't take charge. It seems like that's so important to you. It is. And you know, I've taught uh, the girls in our team that are working with our buyer clients now the same thing. And I said, if the other side's not doing their job, you need to pick it up and do it for them. Because at the end of the day, it's our client. We want them to move into this home and that's important to us. That's more important than anything else. Yeah. Mm, mm, that's so. Josh Voyles, by the way, uh, uh, Voyles Realty and so many other things. A great guest uh, on HomeWise Radio with Michael Midget. Uh, check out HomeWiseRadio.com. Yep. So you've, you've talked about, um, you know, we've kind of, we've talked about the expertise angle. Um, we've talked about the ownership of the transaction. So if something's not getting done, regardless of whether it's necessarily our responsibility or not, you're either going to do it or I'm going to tap somebody gently on the shoulder and suggest that it get done because it's one client, it's one transaction, it has many moving parts. Mm. And because it has many moving parts, um, there are several service providers providing professional services to make these things come together and happen. The reason why somebody's got to take charge is because somebody has to orchestrate that. You know, so if you think of like an orchestra, that's a great analogy. Mm. Um, there's the individual people who are playing the instruments, but then there's a conductor. He didn't have an instrument, but he's arguably the most important person there because he is, well, he's got that wand thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's called. Yes. Um, the power. <laughs> the power. That's the Harry right. Potter right. power. <laughs> well, it's right. So if he's not doing his job, it's not going to sound very good. Mm. Right. So that's kind of what I bunch of instruments blowing out, you know, right. That's what I think of alone when I, when I think of a transaction such as the buying, you know, you know, the buying of a house. So, um, I have here network of trusted service providers as a way, as part of, you know, uh, taking charge of that. Is that, um, yeah. I mean, it's super important to have people you can rely on and trust on. Um, we have partners that we work with and it's, it, um, it makes our job a little bit easier knowing that we have other professionals we're working with and not to say some people aren't, but some people are not. And they make our life a little bit worse. And we have someone who either does not, or as you said earlier, just wants to inch over the line. Right. Um, I actually really love that analogy. I may use that. So thank you. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> just you need to quote him back. You know, yeah. he needs the credit on it. Yeah. I want you to go on that as well. What about that? If somebody drops the ball, you want your team and you to pick it up and help the client the best you can. Do you leave that dropped ball person since they've been kind of signed up there in the into the uh, the whole thing and you just try to help them along? Well, we usually can't just kick them out. Yeah, okay, so that's the question. It's one of those things when we're when we're picking up the ball, it's already because we've already gently asked and gently nudged, and at some point it's just someone needs to take charge and, and let's get this thing moving forward. Mm. 
Great so, point. Yeah, and I, you know, I, the, the, the ultimate answer to that question is it really, it just depends mm-hmm. on what it is, what was dropped, what's not getting done. Nobody wants to kick a service provider out of a transaction. Um, I cannot actually think of one where that was actually necessary or it happened. But you will sometimes, like, it gets threatened, mm-hmm. I guess. And it's just, I don't know. It Sometimes that rubs me the wrong way or, you know, or whatever. But, you know, like, I, I, I try to work, you know, I try to work with everybody. And you're, like, the show, educating and informing people. Maybe that person is, you know, at a certain point in their career where they don't know. They don't know. And you're helping them as well, even though, you know, I know that's not your main it just business. Depends. Yeah. It just really depends. Mm. It's not always the service provider. Sometimes it's the co-op agent or brokerage. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, it can be, it could be anybody, but it's usually, um, you know, and this is such a, this thing's really an onion. You peel them back layer Mm -hmm. after layer after layer after. Another great Michael Midget analogy. So, and and it may be best to, to talk about it in terms of an example, but. Um, like one of these points is, oftentimes is, is the home inspection and borrowers know that it, it affects the transaction. And oftentimes I'll get that call. Here's what happened. Here's what looks like it's going to happen. Here's mm. what they found. How does this work? Some curveballs. And well, maybe with the inspection. Yeah. Um, Always, it's, always. Some <laughs> I was just gonna say. Well, you know, and and I get why they're coming to me, right? But I also, you know, and it's sometimes it's a it's an it's indicative of, I guess their, the relationship they perceive with the other people in the transaction because really they should be talking to somebody else mm. about that. Talking to the agent. Yeah, and the agent should have already reached out after the inspection, saying, "Hey, if they weren't there, what'd you guys think? What are your thoughts? Got the report? Right. I read it. Let's talk." Mm, right. So, and so if I'm, so if I'm getting mastery. that question and, 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 and the first question I always ask is, have you talked to your agent about this yet? Cause that's really like, they're the, they're, they're, they're going to be the one, no matter how this turns out, they're the ones that are going to do something. Like yeah. it's either, you're going to stay, you're going to go, you're going to renegotiate like what, and you know, and I'll, that action. I'll do the best I can to kind of lay out the different scenarios of what this is here's what I think. And you got to be careful with that because you don't want to step on toes. You don't, there's, you know, no need to throw anybody under the bus or anything like that. But, you know, again, it's just, it's how I perceive my involvement in in a transaction. I want to, I got to make sure they're taken care of. Mm So irregardless of why they're calling me, I can't, I like, if I sidestep the thing they're they feel like they got nothing. Yeah. And so that's, that's not a good, you know, that's not a good thing either. Is that, is that fall under fiduciary responsibility? Mm, No, not the legal, Mm -hmm. not the legal version, but with me, when I do that, like that, take a step back and look at the transaction as a whole when it's done and how do I feel about it? You know, how, how did I do? Mm -hmm. Cause I'm always looking to get better. That falls under the agent fiduciary though. We have a fiduciary for the duty and care of our clients Okay, and look out for their best interest. Man, well, we're running short on this segment. Uh, I know you have a lot more on that, which I want to. I know Michael wants to tap into as well. Will you? Will you stick around here for this next segment we have coming up on Homewise Radio? Sure. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We've got that coming up. 
Thanks so much for listening. By the way, that is Josh Voiles, joshvoiles.com, V-O-Y-L-E-S.com. And we'll give you more about his phone number and how to get a hold of Michael Midget coming up next. Thanks so much for listening and check out homewiseradio.com. It's Homewise Radio with Michael Midget and I'm Paul Cook. Uh, you know, been really cool to be involved. This is our 10th episode, our last of the year, um, renewed for another year. And uh, Michael, congratulations on that. Thanks, Paul. And I think we've been, uh, that's happening because we have such great guests and such great expert, uh, you know, like you said, mastery from what you're bringing that's unique. Yeah, and, you know, we're, I try to plan the show, so you refer to me as a creator of the show, thank you. I think of myself that way, but. A mad scientist. Well, you know, this show, it actually is is a creation. There's a lot of thought that goes into it, although I I think I spend an equal amount of time making it try and look like there isn't a lot of thought that goes Mm. into it. Just, you know, that's. The format's a little different. We've kind of talked about the limitations of the format before, even now that we've added video so you can watch now. We're still not like whiteboard, you know, like PowerPoint kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So, But it is so real. Yeah. real points. And it's, you know, it's it's the real world that we, that we live in, right? So I've talked before about the difference here is that when we're giving advice, when we're talking about things, it's reflective of, what we're actually seeing, what we're actually doing. We have the advantage of being able to sit face-to-face, nose-to-nose, toes-to-toes, screen-to-screen in some cases, Mm -hmm. um, with our clients. And so we can give advice or do things, say things that um, the experts who don't can't. Mm -hmm. Don't have that experience either. And just to me, I think that's helpful. Absolutely. So we were talking about the concept of fiduciary duty. And I, you know, we kind of got, you know, we kind of hit a groove on that because you feel the same way that I do, Josh, that um, act in the client's best interest. I know everybody says that, but, you know, to what extent do you act in their best interest? Do I act in their best interest and adequately fulfill my role, you know, job at, you know, the role in the transaction, do I do a good enough job or I do, I do the best damn job that I can. Knowing all that, you know, and outside of transactions, do I teach myself, learn, educate, uh, research, study, experiment, you know, with things that, uh, can make me better. So that I can do constantly learning, reading exactly like you're saying. That's that idea of mastery. But, you know, talking about just, you know, fiduciary duty, it's a word doesn't come up very often. Um, But it was interesting that I think, you know, I, you know, I told you earlier when I told you what I was going to talk about, you actually knew what I was talking about. This is the first time I've been in a room with a real estate agent where I've said that and like eyeballs didn't roll back, head spin around, <laughs> asked me, well, what are you talking about? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Sad to hear that, but what well, is? <laughs> I was going to say earlier when you talked about doing the right thing, sometimes I think on the transaction, doing the right thing is the things that we don't necessarily want to do. Sometimes it's extra effort. Maybe we can get away with not doing it, but when you know it's the right thing for our client, those, those are the things that, that do make the difference. Right. And see, it comes back to a mindset. 
Mm-hmm. All right. And it's what do you perceive your, uh, what's your, do you, what do you perceive your role to be in the transaction in the industry? Uh, if you own your own business or if you work for another company, uh, within that organization, right? How do you just, how do you conduct yourself? And, um, I find that it's not only oftentimes at work, but it's also in life. It's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a mindset, you know, cause we take, we got one, like we might do, we might have different roles in life, but we got one brain mm. <laughs> and one body. And it's hard to sort of be one person one way and then someone else in another, in mm-hmm. another place. Right. So this, ten, I find this tends to be a mindset and just how you, how you, how you look at things. Yeah. And it seems and like it's coming from him as well with uh, a personal responsibility. You feel. Sure. I was yeah. always everything growing up that we do things right the first time. <clears throat> my uncle is a great mentor to me and taught me a lot of great things. And as a young man, I didn't understand half of what he told me, but as I get older, mm-hmm. they pop back up and I'm like, Oh, that's good stuff. Isn't that true? But wow. it's also, I think your, your perception on your business too. I plan on doing this well beyond the day that I die, and I hope that's well past 125. So <laughs> I'm in here for the long haul. It might be. Well. Modern medicine, you never know. Yeah. See, I even watched the commercials, too, and there was a commercial that said something about the per- the first person to live to be 150 is likely already been born. Is that right? Yeah. So I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's true. That I like that claim. So I was 100, but I've been working out a lot lately and eating healthy, so I feel like I, I can bump this up to 125, 150 range. I hope I'm here to watch that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I've got to change some lifestyle stuff, though. <laughs> well, I'm I'm okay with living longer as long as we can maintain quality of life, right? Yeah. Amazon and will have drop shipping by then, and Google, and they'll coordinate and, right. and get new body parts and get them installed at Walmart, and things are good. <laughs> well, you know, and it's, you know, and now, like, uh, this whole other, like, swath of thoughts just came into my mind mm-hmm. about... Uh, seniors and long-term care and things like that, that are issues with the financially extension of it's the issues with the extension of the retirement period of our life and, you know, having enough money set aside to uh, account for, for that. So we're living longer, but people are retiring still like this idea that there's a retirement age and it's in our sixties was something that was set a long time ago when people didn't live into their nineties and into their hundreds, we were lucky to live into our eighties. Yeah. Right. And so you might spend 10 years in retirement. And so a retirement system that was built to account for that miserably falls apart when you start to extend that. Fascinating. You're right. Extend that so long. It's old thinking. One of the third or fourth level, sort of implications of what we talk about on this show with the family home, the equity being so important is, and I've, I think I've said this once before is reverse mortgages are going to become a bigger piece of the puzzle as, as we move forward, because a lot of seniors are winding up in retirement and it's a significant concentration of their, of their assets. So their goal is and always has been to, you know, they kind of view it as like, like that's the nest egg we want to pass on to our kids, Mm -hmm. our money, our wealth, our legacy or whatever may not have that luxury anymore, you know? And so reverse mortgages are going to be a key to 
sort of help unwind or help 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 deal with that. It's the liquefaction of that home equity in controlled fashion over a period of time mixed with, um, I mean, there's multiple different ways. And I don't want to get too deep into it because that's, um, you know, that's someone else's mastery. But um, mixed with insurance products to guarantee things. So there's like lots of different ways to do okay. that. But just as a subject matter as a whole, um, you're going to see that become more and more important as time goes and on. And we're living longer. There's some people I think that have created that as a bad connotation, the reverse mortgage. Like, is have you run into that thinking, that older thinking about that? Yeah, um, they are, you know, it's, so we talk about the mortgage being in the necessary evil, right? Mm-hmm. People don't like them. It's, you know, well, I want to get a house, but I don't, I can't write a check to pay cash. So I guess I'll have to take out a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Goal is to take out the, their goal. If you just ask anybody, my belief is this is part of the wrong, but the goal, shortest, smallest mortgage that I can. Mm-hmm completely directly opposite to what Rick Edelman say, which is the longest, biggest mortgage you can afford. Okay. But people think that because they don't want the mortgage. Yeah. Right? They feel it. They feel it. A lot of this is there about is, feeling, isn't it? it? Well, they're, yeah. well, cause we're humans, we're feeling beings. That's how we perceive the world. We perceive it, you know, we perceive it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't, they just don't like mortgages. All right. So the goal is to get your house paid off. It's like a rite of passage, paid that mortgage off. You know, we got mortgage burning parties, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you are looking at that, someone who generally has a paid off uh, home, and now you want to turn around and you try and want to use that for retirement, that is going against that entire thought process, yeah. right? So now think of this. Right. And this is one of the struggles with with the industry um, is the mindset that it takes to get to the point where you have a paid off house is not the same mindset that says it's OK to turn around and do the exact opposite to pay use your home to pay for yeah, your retirement. That's, it feels right? conflicting. I want to keep a paid. I worked so hard to get a paid off house. I want to keep a paid off house. Right. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you paid off your house. Why are you going to go buy something else? It's a struggle. Like, why, how do you, how do you reconcile that, right? So it comes down to, well, I will spend everything else I've got. I'll do everything I can as a last resort. It's a last resort product, mm-hmm. okay? Generally how it's thought of, all right? Now, that perception is starting to change. I think because more and more people are winding up in that last resort position. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which by the way, a reverse mortgage used intelligently by someone yeah. that knows what they're doing. It can be used as a tool to extend the life of your other assets. Right. Okay. So if you've got a strong financial planner, smart financial planner, um, and you're listening to him or her and, mm-hmm. um, they're talking about things like sequence of return risk and drawdown risk and things like that that occur over time. Um, there are strategies of using reverse mortgages to 
minimize or push back on some of those some of those risks. So in other words, if you're in a position where you're drawing down your retirement account year after year to pay, which is what it's there for, mm-hmm. okay? It was designed to draw down, not to necessarily transfer. Mm. You don't want to draw it down or take money out during a down market because you don't you have to sell more and more of the securities or whatever is in there mm-hmm. to get whatever that amount of money is that you need. And then when the market comes back, whatever you took out isn't there yeah. to go, you know, to go back up. Go up. So a financial planner, if he has another source of funds, would look at doing something else during 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 those times. During a time where you're scared or you have fear about money and right, quality so, of right, life. So, right. So there's a strategy where, okay, we'll use the house. We'll use that to pull the funds from to to live on instead of selling out of the account. Then when the market comes back or it looks like it's a more favorable time, we'll take the money out of the account to pay back the reverse mortgage. Right. Ah. So it's just it's not that you're using the home to live off of, but you're using it as a tool to uh, extend the life of your, of, of your other assets. Now that's a very high level cursory overview. Uh, I am not a licensed financial planner. I'm but not, that's really I a, cannot do those a things. Good strategy. I, I love studied it. studied the applications of a reverse mortgage, the way that it works in retirement and that, um, during that time when I did, uh, operate in that space. It's very fascinating, though. Why, I want to ask our guest, Josh Voyles, of, uh, the owner of Voyles Realty, what do you think about all that? I know you're more on the realty side, but sure. what, how does that hit you? You know, I, I think sometimes life throws us some interesting curveballs, and we have to work with what we have or what we can do. And <clears throat> I don't know that I have an opinion one way or another on reverse mortgages. I, I would probably be more in the camp of pay my house off, and I would struggle to want to borrow against something that I worked hard to pay off. Um, but I suppose if you're in a situation where this makes more sense or that's your only option, then it's nice to have these, these things to do. So a tool. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And there's that's nothing like wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. I mean, that's, you there's know, no right or wrong. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but it's interesting. You know, you can use a reverse mortgage to buy a house too. Wow. You don't even think about that. You don't think about that kind of thing. Well, it's it's not uh, it's not common knowledge. Yeah, but you can use it. You know, and it's depends on how old you are. Depends on a lot of factors. But you basically you show up and you know you have money to put down. You put down. It's in the neighborhood of half. Let's say forty to sixty percent, and then the rest of it's financed with a reverse mortgage. And then the equity that you put down will basically subsidize the rest of the time over which you're going to own that house. That is fascinating. And by the way, that's Michael Midget. You're listening to HomeWise Radio. I hate that we've run out of time here on this episode, but we got to hit that in the new year. That's really fascinating. We will. I have a lot of ideas for the new year, lots of planning um, and um, just keep a little bit. We'll keep a little bit under hat for now, but um, yeah. So don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Joshvoils.com. Josh, uh, is this your number? 314-495-7064? Sure is. Sure is, buddy. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks for your public service being the mayor of Fenton and for joining us today. Sure, it was a pleasure to be here with you guys. I've enjoyed the conversations. All right. Great job. Great job. And how do we get a hold of Michael Midget? Well, you can get a hold of me for 
mortgage-related stuff, uh, mortgage website is goshelter.com. Uh, you can also reach me direct about anything at 314-275-0314. All right. Well done. And I'm Paul Cook. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. It's HomeWise Radio with Michael Midget, and we will see you in the new year. Loan and loan information provided by Michael Midget, NMLS number 205402, and Shelter Mortgage, Inc., 691 Trade Center Boulevard, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63005, NMLS number 192609, a Missouri residential mortgage licensee.